I am Ansonia with Let's Talk Gospel Music Old, a podcast which will feature conversations with musicians, singers, songwriters, radio personalities, and historians of gospel music. You will hear conversations with featured guests telling their story and history, their contributions to the richness of gospel music, and where they see gospel music trends. We will have traditional, contemporary, neo-soul and hip-hop gospel artists and more. We look forward to bringing exciting shows and to present great episodes to keep you coming back for more. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Hey, Calvin. Hey, Ansonia. How are you? I am doing just fine. I decided that on this show and talking about gospel music and gold, I know that you, as a director, a producer, and writer, had a pretty big gospel show at one point. And just to tell the audience a little bit about you, talk about yourself and how you came to find this production and produce it. Well, I should premise all of this by saying that the work that uh, we're talking about is in the theater. I was a writer producer in the theater as well as an actor and director. Okay. And it just seemed to be a natural transition of the theater company that I started called New Branch Theater Company had done several um, non-Christian productions. And we had the opportunity to meet a playwright out of Canton, Ohio named Stan Hood, who had written a play called uh, If the preacher ain't right and it was a short skit for a Sunday service maybe even a Sunday school service so after reading the script I contacted um, Pastor Hood and asked if it was okay to make a adaptation to the script and it turned out being um, a two-hour play called If the Preacher Ain't Right. And it dealt with um, a preacher who wanted to do the right thing, but fell victim to flesh. And in making the play bigger, more than a skit, we added music, uh, we added a a chorus, we had a a band, uh, as well as a up and coming Christian rap group here in Chicagoland called Redeem Hip Hop. And it was one of our uh, biggest plays. That sounds exciting. 
when you think of producing a production or doing a show like that. Now, tell the audience, I know about it because of course I was there at the beginning, but tell the audience how this concept came about as far as Christian theater and your concept of Christian theater. Well, I'm not sure how the concept came, came about what you mean by that, but uh, Christian theater to me basically means that, well, first of all, it's a, another way to get the word of God to those that may need to hear it and may not hear it through traditional means, meaning gospel music or even going to church. Most people like going to see a play. And if the play is well done, if the, if the script is tight and there's a message to the play, then that is a, another avenue that can be used to reach uh, people that's not saved. And I definitely recommend uh, drama theater for churches, drama ministry for the churches. Uh, it's another way to add to the ministry. Uh, for example, we talked about this in the past. A pastor can have a skit done before he brings his sermon about the same message and kind of let the, to use a baseball analogy, uh, let the skit load up the bases for him. And then he gets up there and hits a grand slam. So all in all, the parishioners not only get a, a play with a message, but it ties into the sermon message as well. Okay. Now, in thinking of that and how this contributes to, I'll say the Christian foundation is finding a way to reach people as you indicated in the some people like going to plays and a great way to introduce people to God is through theater now I know that you presented to a church to start a program at a church talk a little bit about that well at DuPage AME Church in Lyle, Illinois, we were new members and in going through new members class, the pastor found out that uh, we had past experience in theater. And in talking with him, he was like, well, you have a lot, lot of experience in theater. You know, you got to bring some of that to the church. And he asked me to give him an outline of what the program or what the ministry would, would look like. He made me submit it to him on paper because he wanted to see how dedicated I was going to be to this project. <laughs> you say but, he made you present it on paper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't just sit down and you know we'll talk about it. It was like, show me how this is going to work and how it's going to interact with other ministries in the church. So 
What he didn't know is that I was all, all in on this. So I made the presentation to him and he was like, okay, sounds good, sounds good. He said, you know, there's a play that um, I read, it's called The Devil on Trial, case number 666. And he told me the author was uh, Roosevelt Wright. And he said, you know, I would like to see this turned into a play. Think you can do it? Yeah, well, let me read it first <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll get back to you. And it actually was a play that um, could be turned into a, a play in the church. It was a play For that example. could be turned into a play? Well, it was a play that was more like a skit when you read it, but wanting to bring a bigger production to the church, I'm, I'm, um, what I mean is take what's on the page, um, elaborate a little bit, but make it bigger, a bigger production. For example, when, when we did it, uh, this was one of the bigger casts that that church um, had, you know, when there's a new ministry, everybody wants to be involved, right? Everybody wants to be a part of it, see what it's about, how it's going to work, this, that, and the other. Uh, what they did not know was work was going to be involved. So I believe we had over 20 people in this play. And basically what it is, is the story of the devil who's on trial for uh, being who he is, uh, causing trouble trouble with, with Christians, trying to break down the church. And he represents himself as an innocent victim of circumstance in this play. So there's a trial full of with judges, witnesses. The witnesses are like angels, Adam and Eve, Cain and Joseph and Moses, Delilah. They all come forth and testifies against Lucifer. And it was a blast. Uh, there was a lady in the um, church who had a lot of experience making clothes and costumes. So we had a perfect person to design costumes for each character. So with the costumes and the makeup and the productionality that we brought to it, uh, you know, bringing in lights, uh, making it looks, look more like a trial that was actually going on. Everybody loved it. The pastor loved it. And we, and thus was born the uh, DuPage Theater Group. He didn't want to call, he didn't want to call it the um, DuPage Drama Ministry. He said, we don't want any more, we don't want to bring any drama to the church. So we called it DTG, which stood for DuPage Theater Group. Okay. And the reason why I have you on the show and in talking about that, I'm glad you touched on a few things, was the enhancement of a skit or a play in the church and bringing attention. And that's something that, well, gospel music does. Uh, famous person that I'm sure you've heard of, uh, Reverend James Cleveland mentioned that taking the lyrics 
and I'm paraphrasing for those who actually know his exact words, you take the you take the words of the gospel of God and you put them to music so that people pay attention and it lingers longer. So in thinking of that, and I just wanted to have you give a little background of some of the things that you've done as far as what is called Christian theater arts. And this is something that is not really widespread in the African-American community. But let's go back to the skit that you developed into a play called If the Preacher Ain't Right. Now with that, what you didn't share was it was also a musical or it had musical components. Talk about that aspect. Well, in order to take a skit and develop it, a lot of things have to happen. For example, some of the characters need to be developed more. A backstory of who that person is needs to be created so that it provides the audience with a more, more of a, a feel for that character. And especially if it's a main character, we need to know a little bit about the backstory to understand what's currently going, how did the person get to where they, they're at? And through that, uh, we were able to insert uh, several gospel songs. Um, and I'm going to say this because you didn't say this, but you actually wrote a lot of the uh, music that was used for the play. I'm sure some of your listeners may not know but uh, you are a writer and a musician in your own right. And you were able to um, come up with some songs that uh, was used for transition. Uh, some was used in actual um, scenes to enhance, to enhance the scene. And uh, you rehearsed the, well, got the chorus together and rehe rehearsed with them and the band. And that that was all different components of putting this together. It was a big production. And it was actually to date, it was the biggest production that we had done to date at that time. Um, but everything flowed smooth. Everybody knew where they needed to be. The stage management was top notch even uh, the selling of tickets in the house, making sure the uh, people got seated correctly, ushers, everything was on point. But the main thing was the music. When you're doing a gospel musical, the music has to be on point. And even if it's a known song, let's say, you want to make changes to the song in the way that it's arranged so that uh, you may not have uh, people in the audience singing along, which can throw either the singer or musicians off. So you were able to uh, make those changes. And um, I believe it was very, very well, well received, uh, not only by the audience, 
but the author actually came in for the uh, opening night weekend from Ohio, uh, Stan Hood, and he enjoyed it immensely. And that was uh, that was an experience. Um, considering, although I'm a musician, I had never written that many songs, and it was taxing in the sense of not knowing what your ability is to do certain things. But there's an encourager that tells us that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. But I digress <laughs> in talking about that. But I'd like you to talk through the process of actually casting the show because, uh, oh, and you didn't mention the name of the theater company that did that show and eventually went on and did some other Christian shows, but we'll talk about that in a second. But talk to the audience about casting the show because sometimes people think of theater arts in the church is like you said, a skit, almost like the um, Easter, those Easter skits that people do or the kids do. But creating Christian theater arts is something totally different than just grabbing somebody in the hallway and throwing a piece of paper in their hand and say, learn this and come back and, and, and recite it. Give a little bit of that process of, of how you go about as a director, how you go about casting and, and does talk in, in specific about the, the biggest show that you did was If the Preacher Ain't Right. Okay. Well, I believe that casting for a, th a church production and casting for a secular production is different, but it's the same. In that, in the church, I believe that everyone has to audition, even if they have no theatrical background, never been in a play before, everybody can recite, can learn a poem and recite a poem of a few stanzas of a song, sing a few stanzas of a song. You have to show me something. And the reason for that is I want to know that you want to be there. I want to know if you are willing to accept that you have skin in the game as, as they say. And by preparing an audition piece, it shows that you are willing, um, that you want to be a part of that production. And it also gives me a little background about where your talent is, what you can do, what you might be comfortable doing and what you might not be comfortable doing. It's an opportunity for me to get to know you a little bit and for you to understand this is not for play play. <laughs> We're doing this because it is a ministry. We're, te we're telling the story of the message. We're giving the audience the message of God and you never know who you might reach by doing this. So it's not for play play. So, <laughs> so it, it's, Oh, and you also want to introduce them to the professionalism of actually putting on a play. 
because a lot of them have never gone through that or the real audition process where you have to, you know, learn your lines, um, present your lines maybe in different ways over and over again until you can do it from memory by heart and make it, most of all, make it realistic. Now, for a secular play, the, the actors that come forth are expected to have some kind of background or some uh, have uh, you know, something to bring to the table. So their auditions should be a bit cleaner. It should be a bit stronger. Their songs should be a bit um, better as, as far as being practiced. And that's uh, basically the similarities between the two. Um, a lot of churches that have drama ministries will not go through that process because they don't know that process of auditioning and rehearsing and even presenting. So what they'll do, as you said, they'll um, see brother or sister so-and-so in, in, in the um, hallway and kind of tackle them and give force a, a script on them and say, you know, I, I want you to be in this play and here's the script and, and, and your character is so-and-so and rehearsal is going to be blah, 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 blah. Well, this person doesn't have any skin in the game. This person may not want to be a part of. They feel like they're being pushed into it. And that's why the major reason why I treat uh, drama ministry uh, similar to a real, uh, a sec secular uh, rehearsal and audition. Okay. I want the people to know that, I want to know that they want to be there. And you get more out of them in that sense when you, when someone has actually gone through the work of auditioning for a part. Yeah, because like I said, they have shown that they want to be there you know, they're uh, more apt to be at rehearsals when they're supposed to be there and not be be absent uh, rather than somebody that uh, feels that you need them. Mm. You know, if you force somebody to take a script, you're, you're in essence saying, I want you, I need you to mm. be there. And then they can take liberties and not show up come up late, come in there late, come in there un, unprepared. And not be dedicated to the project. Not be dedicated to the project. Whereas in secular plays, um, you know, outside of the church, I should say, churches, uh, plays outside of the church um, building or environment, those actors, they know that they have to be at rehearsal. Not only is the director and the crew depending on, on them being there, but their castmates are depending on them being there as well. You can't get timing with people in your scene if people are missing from the scene, hmm. okay? And they want to be there. There's usually um, some, some experience that they can get or they're there because they're getting paid and they want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's reasons why they go through what they what they go through uh, to be in in a play, 
And it's very interesting that once, well, I'll go back to the first play we did, Devil on Trial, K666. We had a lot of people wanting to be a part of it. It was new, you know, but then they started to see, oh, Calvin, or, or this is going to require me studying and me auditioning and me presenting. And so for the second play that we did there, it was a lot less people. <laughs> but, but that was good because now you get a chance to weed out who is going to be dedicated, who wants to learn, who wants to grow, who has skill, who doesn't have skill, and where the, that skill set lies. Some people are good at building sets or doing the technical stuff, uh, lights, sounds. Some people are good at designing costumes. And then there's others that um, can do some of those things in addition to acting. Oh, I should say also there's some people that are very good singers. There's some people that are <laughs> not good singers, but think they are. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be talked about at another show. No, I'm just kidding. But um... and, then, and then there's some people that are not good singers, but they want to be a part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you touched a little bit on the crew. And some people who may not be familiar with what actually goes on behind the scenes don't realize that it's not just the actors that you see out there that has a production going on. It's not just the singers, if there is our musical parts, it's not just the musicians, but you touched on the crew and the set. Talk a little bit about what or what roles are are considered crew members? Well, just like the body has a spine and the spine holds everything up, the crew is the backbone of a play. They're the people behind the scenes that have created the set, okay, to make a scene realistic there's certain things that have to be there okay to make it realistic they work with the director um and get his his or her vision for what should be in different scenes and then they make sure those things are there uh they build the set there there's also technicians that work with the audio you know, we used to joke that the three things that will turn an audience member away from a play is if they can't see you, if they can't hear you, and if you don't know your lines. <laughs> so being able to be heard is paramount as well. Uh, lighting, make sure that everything is lit the way it should be. There's no shadows on the stage or on the actor's faces. And sometimes you want to put filters on the light for different colors to evoke uh, different things that's going on in the scene. And sometimes there's music that's going to be played pre 
prepared music that's going to be played, well, it has to be played at a certain sound level so that it doesn't um, sound too loud and overbearing. And if somebody's singing, you don't want to drown them out, of course. So audio is very important as well. The technical rehearsals are so important. And a lot of, I know churches with drama ministries, they may not go through all of that, but it's necessary. If you want to put on the best production that you can for the people of God, you have to go through those steps of having the audio, the tech, tech rehearsals, where mm -hmm. you have the audio, uh, lights. Um, I would even include dress rehearsal as part of that as well. If there's doors, if there's entrances ex or, or um, exits, that has to be rehearsed. That's all part of the tech process. Now, I will uh, just piggybacking on a little bit of that and, and talking about that and enlightening that, uh, I'm also going to pivot back to when you talked about Stan Hood. Alvin, in going back and reflecting on that, do you do workshops? I know that you, at one point, you, you were traveling and doing workshops. Are you still available to do workshops? Yes, I, I still do workshops. And if anybody's interested in a drama ministry workshop uh, that we that will tell you about some of the things that we've talked about, they can reach me at my my email address is born to speak to you. The twos are the number two at mail mail dot com. So that's born to speak to you at mail.com. And then we can go over the specifics of what is needed and what I can deliver. Cool, that is great. Now, I do wanna go back to uh, something else that you mentioned and you lightly touched over. Have you done, talk about any other Christian-based uh, productions that you've done. You talked about one of the productions that you did at DuPage, you talked about one of the productions that you did with uh, New Branch Theater Company, uh, which is the company that you helped found. What are some of the other productions that you've done or any other types of productions that you've done? Well, sure. Uh, there's a play that we did called Sisters of the Gospel. And in that stage production, women of the Bible come to life and tell their stories with historical facts from the Old Testament to witnesses that encountered things that happened in the New Testament. Sisters of the Gospel, it was a very encouraging, enlightening, and entertaining play. Now, we did that with New Branch Theater Company, and uh, we did that several weekends at the Vidim Theater uh, in Chicago. We also did it at the Austin Town Hall in Chicago. And we also was asked to uh, do it as a fundraiser for St. Agatha Christ, um, St. Agatha Catholic Church in Chicago as well. So we did it uh, for them as a fundraiser. Mm. There also was the play uh, that we did with DuPage Theater Group called 
Breaking Out, Bible Characters Unleashed. And that was done for a weekend in August. And basically what that was, was a story uh, that was written by the DuPage Theater Group about a museum where some of the characters were wax museums and they were being brought in. And at night when no one was around, they would come to life and tell their story. So we had, for example, uh, we had Naomi, Deborah, Seth, uh, Zipporah, John the Revelator, all these people come to life and tell their story. Now, it was a very diverse play in which it had a lot of comedy. It had a lot of dramatic points. For example, the woman with the issue of blood was presented at the end. And with the combination of the words and the combination of the lighting and the set, it brought people to tears night after night. So oh, wow. that was another one that we did. And we did, we wrote another play called JCC TV 23. Now this was a hilarious comedy, a Christian sketch comedy written by the DuPage Theater Group where an um, internet, not internet, but um, Television. a independent TV show uh, was running their regular programming, but it was with commercials, uh, silly things. We sold um, healing tea <laughs> and Moses had, had his special moccasins that, that they were selling. It was hilarious and we had a, a lot of fun with that. So there's been a, a, a variety of plays uh, that we've done both secular, but I would say the ones that we did for the church were to me some of the more important ones because you always want to keep in mind that there's a message that has to be translated correctly. Okay, I took that uh, very seriously on making sure that people would recognize and receive the message, why we were doing all of this. Because you never know that one word could change somebody's life positively. Now, in thinking about that, when you mentioned, I recall there being actually having the doors of the church open at most of the productions, most of the um, Christian productions of having the doors of the church open, which is very, very beneficial when you've opened that conversation up in someone's heart, but then to culminate it by allowing those who are uh, straggling or standing off to the side or not know which way to go to come to the church and seek guidance and assistance. And I thought that was a, a great touch. But there was another production type of production that uh, the theater company did, New Branch Theater Company did, which was interactive theater. Now, one of the productions was what happened at First Church. Is that correct? Yes. Can you tell a little bit of 
humor that happened at that one, the, the one that was done there? Well, this was part of a interactive dinner theater. Uh, New Branch Theater Company used to do an annual dinner theater uh, in the fall. And what happened at First Church, I actually don't remember the, the story, but I do, do remember <laughs> one of the pastor's uh, secretaries walking across the floor, you know, kind of you know, clomping across the floor, floor when she walked. And somebody says, Pastor, does she have to walk like that? So I do, do remember uh, that. Uh, it was like a whodunit. The dinner theater uh, mysteries were all like whodunits. Somebody would do something in this case of what happened at First Church. Somebody stole the money and several people were suspected of taking the money and through clues that were left throughout the night, the audience who got the show and dinner for the ticket price had to uh, try to guess who committed the crime. Oh, you and, know. and the person that, the first person that was pulled from a, a hat with the correct culprit won a prize. That sounds fun. Oh, one, it was a blast. It was a blast. One part you that uh, recalled is the pastor of the church, the actual pastor of the church, didn't realize it was a production. And when someone in the audience yelled, the pastor stole the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the pastor of the church got up in the pulpit and said, nobody, no minister stole the money. That was hysterical, but people thought it was part of the production. So one of the deacons had to actually speak to the pastor and let him know that was just part of the show. No one was actually accusing any of the ministerial staff of stealing money. And that also attributes to the great acting uh, that was done uh, to the point that, um, and this was an older pastor, you know, to give him his props and, and everything. He didn't realize that this was all part of the show. He <laughs> thought somebody actually had stole something. He was standing up for past ministers of the world unite. <laughs> Pastor didn't steal that money, boy. That was funny, that was funny. But anyway, <clears throat> I just wanted to share with my audience that there are so many other aspects of in thinking about gospel music. And you mentioned a up and coming hip hop group during the year that if the preacher ain't right, the first year that that play was done. Talk about the, the year and the name of the group and what happened to the group after immediately after the play was done. Okay, you're gonna make me go all the way back in my memory banks, huh? <laughs> what? But I got you. The year was 2005, actually. Uh, September of 2005 for two weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, we did If the Preacher Ain't Right. And the special guest appearance was an up and coming Christian rap group called Redeem Hip Hop. And the three members and a stage name was Truth, 
Dawn Bishop and Revelation. And they had been ministering together for approximately three years. And we found them through a, an associate that I used to work with. And they were three upstanding young men. Uh, they were committed to serving God with all their hearts with a vision of ministering worldwide. They, they rehearsed three times a week now getting you know, young men to be committed to going through rehearsal uh, may have seen like a problem, but their manager told me he had no problem with them going to rehearsal three times a week, being on time. And we were very blessed to uh, bring them to the stage. And if the preacher ain't right. Now, a few weeks after they appeared uh, in the play, the run of the play, in Chicago, they started playing their music on the radio. And it was pretty cool um, to hear it playing played on the radio after they had given the audience a taste of what they could do. And, oh, yeah. and, and they did uh, last uh, quite a few years after that um, in Chicago area doing Christian rap. Uh, but then life came, life hit and they started getting married and having babies and raising families. <laughs> so I think they eventually um, you know, broke up and, and focused on that. I'm going to try and track them down. Maybe I can get them on the show as well. Well, Calvin, this has been exciting. It's been a fantastic show to sit and talk with you and talk about some other avenues of gospel music and its goal. Because when we talk about Christian productions and Christian plays in just about every Christian production, you have got to have music. And music brings about joy and completion to people when they think about all of the great works that happens. So Calvin, tell my audience how they can get in contact with you and uh, a little more information about yourself. Well, I don't do drama ministry workshops as much anymore. I focus more on my work as a, a motivational speaker and they can definitely get me, um, get in contact with me, with me for a keynote address, uh, any kind of speech that needs to be given. I do trainings as well on personal growth, productivity and goal setting and how to build teams, which might fall into the uh, drama ministry um, area. So anyway, they can reach me at born to speak to you at mail.com. And I'll tell you again how to spell that. That's born, the number two, speak, the number two, Y-O-U, at mail, dot com. Wonderful. Well, I think we have had a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for participating in Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Well, I want to thank my guest, Calvin Gibbs, for participating in this segment of Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. And if you haven't figured it out, Calvin is my husband. <laughs> yep. And I am your host and Sonia saying, Let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. And I'm going to ask you, if you liked the episode, click like, share it. Or if you want to be notified when the next episode appears, subscribe. Take care, everybody. God bless. <clears throat> Something that people didn't know about me is that I did, I have written music and I am a musician, as Calvin mentioned. And these are just a couple clips, little snips of songs that I wrote for the production, If the Preacher Ain't Right. And listening to these, it brings back some interesting memories. Are you one of the many Americans that are hoping to find a new job? Do you need to establish new skills or improve the skill you already have? 
Perhaps you're an HR professional in a company and in need of online training for your employees. Well, I invite you to check out the online training system from Born to Speak to You. Once registered, these online courses are available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 60 days. In the area of human resource trainings, we have courses on lunch and learn program, crisis management, diversity and inclusion, health and wellness at work, office health and safety, workplace violence, and much, much more. Our website is borntospeaktoyou.com, where the two is the number two. That's borntospeaktoyou.com, where you can even arrange for a virtual training for your employees on any one of our 110 training modules.